So my name's Robbie. My wife's name's Amy. My son's name is Ruben. We've been going to Anchor Point for about five years and a bit. And God is, God is good. He's been teaching us a lot of things. He's been, been providing for us. He has uh, given us friends that are uh, amazing and encouragement. And, um, and I miss, I do miss you guys. I miss seeing all your faces. I miss hanging out, having some fun doing whatever, talking about the Bible, praying with each other. And uh, I look forward to when we can do that more regularly and uh, not with these random lockdown pauses. Um, if you're new, welcome. I hope you find some encouragement today. I hope for all of us that you, uh, that you feel that God is with you and that he loves you um, and that he wants to speak with you and that when you're feeling lonely, he's there ready to be present with you and go through with whatever you're dealing with. And um, so be encouraged. We're not alone. We have hope that's everlasting. Heaven is is uh, amazing. <laughs> I know it is. I don't know what it's going to be like completely, but it's uh, it's going to be good. We're going to be with, in God's presence. And if you ever had a taste of that, you want more. And so that, that's going to be pretty cool. So you have a hope. Um, for those of you who have been giving to Anchor Point during this time, we thank you. And for those who want to continue or want to give and don't know how, you can send an e-transfer to giving at apalliston.com. And if you don't get that right, go to the email or go to the website and there will be a, a link you can uh, you can use as well. Um, so I just want to pray for Tom. I think Tom's preaching. If not, then for whoever's preaching. <laughs> and uh, and then I hope you all are encouraged again. So God, we just thank you for today. Uh, we thank you for your presence, that you're here with us, and that even when we're alone, you are there with us. With us. I, I thank you that you're the giver of peace and that we can have peace amidst anything we go through. And I thank you that your hope is not determined upon the circumstances in this world. And I pray remember your Bible, the word that you've spoken to us through it, and that um, we read it and study it more. Yeah. So just pray with the preach, the sermon, that your truth would come out, your words would come out, that we'd hear from you, and um, that you'd speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless, guys. Hope you all have a great week, and I can't wait to see you soon. Hopefully soon. This morning's scripture reading is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. Let's hear God's word. For this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, 
may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is to hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places? Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of God. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to uh, Anchor Point Online. We're in the just in the early phases of our series on the book of Ephesians, the, the epistle to the Ephesians by the Apostle Paul, and we've had uh, Tom's done a couple of uh, sermons on that, and today I'm uh, doing the third part, which is uh, um, also from Ephesians chapter 1, the latter part of Ephesians chapter 1, and there'll be a little bit of a review on some of the stuff that uh, that Thomas shared up to this point. So uh, let's begin with prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, we come in the mighty name of Jesus, and we thank you for the mechanisms that we have available to us in this day to actually communicate your gospel uh, to one another. We thank you for um, the glorious liberty of the sons of God. We pray for our church community today, for Anchor Point community that we would be united and built up in this most holy faith. We pray that the word that I would share, the words of my mouth and the testimony uh, that I bring forward today would be acceptable in your sight, Lord, and that we would grow in grace and the knowledge of you through it. Thank you for your word. We pray blessing on it. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I'm going to share um, a message from... Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm, I'm, I am to emphasize the, um, the verses 15 to 23, although I will touch on the earlier verses of the chapter to some degree as well. Um, the series is titled All Things New, and uh, just briefly to touch on some things that, um, that Tom has shared uh, in the previous messages. Obviously, this was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, to the Ephesians, and he wrote it from prison. He was in prison in Rome. He wrote it to them, and he wrote some other epistles that sent. Certainly, the the uh, Colossian epistle and several others were written uh, sort of in a similar timeline. Um, we see that Paul was instrumental in establishing the Ephesian church, and we can see that uh, in the book of Acts, actually, in Acts 18, starting at verse 19, and then subsequently in Acts 19 and 20, there is uh, an account of how the the Ephesian church was established and uh, the ministry that Paul had in particular, along with several others, to the Ephesians. Um, there's some notable things that happened uh, during his ministry there that is, is worth noting. Um, and uh, these are all accounted for in Acts uh, 19 and 20 in particular. But um, 
several things that, that stood out to me as I read through this. In Acts 19, verse 2 to 7, Paul meets some disciples who had uh, heard about being baptized, um, who hadn't heard about being baptized in the name of Jesus and hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. So, And the account is that he then made the Word of God, um, gave them a clearer understanding of the, of the whole gospel and also laid hands on them and then they received the Holy Spirit uh, with the appropriate signs following, which is fairly typical actually in the book of Acts of, of uh, prophecy and uh, tongues. Um, secondly, uh, what stood out to me is that uh, there's Paul was uh, in Ephesus for three years. So although he's the apostle to the Ephesians, there was also an apostolic slash pastoral role that he played with the Ephesian church, which was kind of unique um, to the Ephesians as compared to many of the other places that he established churches. So he had a, a very, I would say, a, a, a much longer standing relationship and, and, and a, a lot, um, probably more of a pastoral ministry in a teaching and preaching kind of role with the Ephesians. Uh, thirdly, there was uh, Ephesus, and, and I think Tom did a really good job of sort of outlining the, the value of the Ephesian city, or what kind of city it was. There was lots of occult practice in, in Ephesus. It was a pagan city, a uh, Gentile pagan city. There was a lot of witchcraft, magic arts. Um, a lot of the practitioners of these things came to the knowledge of the Lord, got saved, and there's an account in Acts 18 or 19 verse 18 where it says they burned their magic art books, etc. And I think there's there's something really special about that being written in the scriptures because a true repentance give, requires a giving up of the old man. That's it's not an adding to what you already have, but there's a there's a, a real strong sense of you have to give something up. You have to give up the old way in order to have new life in Christ, and, and that's important. So in Acts 19, verse 19, it says the value of the books that they actually burned, all their magic art books, etc., was 50,000 pieces of silver. They willingly gave it all up because they recognized something. And Paul stated it well, and of course Paul was um, a Pharisee prior to his conversion, and in Philippians 3, verse 8, he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. The King James Version says dung, which is pretty self-evident, in order that I may gain Christ. It's, um, it was interesting to me that the value of the books that the Ephesian occult practicers who got converted gave up was 50,000 pieces of silver and they burnt them. Uh, Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus for just 30 pieces of silver, as uh, it's recorded in Matthew 26, verse 15. That's roughly 1,700 times the value, the, what the Ephesians burnt was roughly 1,700 times the value of what, what Judas uh, sold out Jesus for. And it just speaks to me of how much more valuable and precious they saw life in Christ than what uh, Judas did.
another interesting point, Paul called the Ephesian elders to himself in Miletus as he was heading toward Jerusalem. Um, he, um, he said some things to them that was, he was determined to go to Jerusalem and in spite of the dire warnings that were given to him prophetically, everywhere he went, people warned him of, of, uh, of the, the consequence of him going and it wasn't going to be good. But he declared himself in Acts uh, 20 and 18 and following, he declared himself innocent of the blood of all the Ephesians, the Ephesian church, as he was commending the church to the elders. And he, he declared himself innocent of the blood of the Ephesians because he had faithfully declared the whole counsel of God. So this is the, the uh, backdrop, if you like, um, in brief, to uh, Paul's uh, epistle to the Ephesians. Um, I'd like to read um, something that, uh, uh, in this um, book by John R. W. Stott, is found, and it uh, it just really kind of speaks about the, the, the poignancy of the point to the Ephesian Church. One of our chief evangelical blind spots, he said, has been to overlook the central importance of the church. We tend to proclaim individual salvation without moving on to the saved community. We emphasize that Christ died for us to redeem us from all iniquity, rather than to purify for himself a people of his own. And that's Titus 2 verse 14. Um, we think of ourselves more as Christians than as churchmen, and our message is more good news of a new life than of a new society. Nobody can emerge from a careful reading of Paul's letter to the Ephesians with a privatized gospel. For Ephesians is the gospel of the church. It sets forth God's eternal purpose to create, through Jesus Christ, a new society, which stands out in bright, bright relief against the somber background of the old world. For God's new society is characterized by life in place of death, by unity and reconciliation in place of division and alienation, by the wholesome standards of righteousness in place of the corruption of wickedness, by love and peace in place of hatred and strife, and by unremitting conflict with evil in place of a flabby compromise with it. This vision of a renewed human community has stirred me deeply, John Stott says. At the same time, the realities of lovelessness and sin in so many contemporary churches are enough to make one weep, for they dishonor Christ, contradict the nature of the church, and deprive the Christian witness of its integrity. Yet increasing numbers of church members today are seeking the church's radical renewal. For the sake of the glory of God and the evangelization of the world, nothing is more important than that the church should be and should be seen to be God's new society. Toward the fulfillment of this vision, Ephesians gives us a strong and steady stimulus. Amen. So, um, what we're uh, talking about in this series on Ephesians, and Tom indicated it was going to be about 18 weeks, I think he said, um, is that 
Ephesians outlines all things new. New life uh, in Ephesians 1 and 2, new family or new society in Ephesians 2 and 3, new standards or new way of living in Ephesians 4 and 5, and new relationships in Ephesians 5 and 6. Ephesians has been called the queen of the epistles, and uh, Charles Spurgeon, who was, uh, who was called the prince of preachers in his day, uh, a late 19th century, early 20th century preacher in Britain, um, highly regarded and a wonderful uh, preacher of the gospel, said this about Ephesians. He said, whoever would see Christianity in one treatise or one concise expose, shall we say, let him read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the epistle to the Ephesians. Um, in order to move forward with uh, the verses that I'm actually supposed to focus on today, verses 15 to 23, I'd like to go back to verse 3 to 6 briefly and just kind of touch on some things that really spoke to my heart about this. It says in verse 3 to 6, Blessed be God and blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to say that we cannot confer blessing on God. Hebrews 7 or 7 said, It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. So in that sense, we can't bless God the way God blesses us. But we acknowledge that all blessing is in God, and that when we say, bless the Lord, as in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, we're actually praising him with worshiping love. That's the blessing we confer on God, if you like. Or the only way we can bless God is by praising him with worshiping love. Or as the Amplified Bible says, we affectionately and gratefully praise him. Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, and the us here is both Jew and Gentile. And that's, you know, the, the nature of the church in Ephesus was that Paul went originally to the synagogue and then ended up, because there was some strife there, ended up moving out and, uh, and uh, ministering predominantly to the Gentiles. But they were both Jew and so the blessed us, Jew and Gentile, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I want to emphasize that spiritual blessings are only available in Christ. Tom mentioned in his message last week that um, in Christ showed up 11 times, I think he said, in the first 14 verses of Ephesians chapter 1. Um, so spiritual blessings, our whole spiritual life, is in Christ. Blessed be God, or the anthem of praise, blessed be God, and, and here I, again I'm going to quote Spurgeon, if you think little of what God has done for you, you will do very little for him. But if you have a great notion of his great mercy to you, you will be greatly grateful to your gracious God. And I love that expression, greatly grateful. He further says, our thanks ought to go to God in thunders of hallelujahs. For spiritual blessings and he says a new heart is so much better than a new coat and to be an heir of god is better than being an heir of a great nobleman to have god as our portion is infinitely more blessed than to own broad acres of land god has blessed us with spiritual blessings these are the rarest this is spurgeon saying this these are the rarest the richest the most enduring of all blessings priceless in value Comparing that with natural blessings, and I'm, you know, I, I, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think often we focus too much on what what we can gain natu naturally, the natural blessings from the Lord, and they're real. 
but the the emphasis of this is spiritual blessings in Christ. Um, then in the natural world, in natural blessings, it rains on the just and the unjust, according to Matthew 5, verse 45. Um, I think David in Psalm 73 and verse 17, he was he was perplexed by the fact that the wicked prospered. So there was natural, it seemed to be natural blessing on the wicked, which was uh, seemed counterintuitive, if you like. But then it says, uh, until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I discovered their end. And I think that's the point here, is that um, we can we can get so drilled down into the natural world that we miss we miss the the point of real spiritual blessing. So let's think about this carefully. If we have no appreciation for spiritual blessing, then essentially we're living at the level of animals. We we acknowledge that animals live only really they only live to eat, sleep, entertain themselves, and to reproduce. And we're made in the image of God, so um, and redeemed in the fullness. Um, that's the point. And as a result of, of, of that, he has something much higher for us. And that's to know every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 and 10 says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the, thing that God, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But it says that God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. And I, I think the point here is that Ephesians outlines beautifully the fulfillment of this. And So the two parts of chapter 1 of, of Ephesians, uh, part the first part is praise, uh, verse um, essentially summarized in the word praise, verses 1 to 14, and the second part is prayer, verses 15 to 23. So my message this morning. That was basically all just review and kind of touch points. Uh, Paul says in verse 15, for this reason, for the first 14 verses that we just read in the last uh, couple messages, for this reason, or therefore, wherefore, what's the reason? Because of the incredible redemptive work of God that God has done and that the Ephesians have received. For this reason, um, he gives thanks to God. Um, interestingly, in these verses, Paul does not commend the Ephesians for their love of God, but really for their love of the saints, their faith in Christ Jesus, and their love for all the saints. That's what he says. And um, I, I think that it's important to, um, to state this. So let me read you something out of 1 John for a minute. In chapter 4 of 1 John, in verse 20 and 21, it says, If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. So, the evidence, the love of the saints, and this is the point I'm trying to make here, the love of the saints, loving God's people, is evidence of the life and love of God in us. So Paul gives thanks for the, the Ephesians. Um, and he says, Because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Now, 
again, going back to what I said earlier, Paul had been in, in Ephesus as the sort of the pastor, apostle, pastor, teacher for three years. Um, he'd been with them for three years. But he'd heard something, probably in prison or maybe prior to getting into prison, but certainly since he left um, Ephesus, he'd heard something that stimulated him by the Holy Spirit to write this epistle. There's no doubt that he had established a good Christian community in Ephesus um, in the midst of the paganism that was there and all of that. He had established a, a good, healthy Christian community. Um, and, you know, what, what I said earlier in Acts 20, 27, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So he had given them the works, if you like, in terms of the, the teaching and the preaching. But on the basis of what he had heard, he writes this incredible exposition and summary of the whole counsel of God to them in this epistle. Um, in verse 16, he says, making mention of you in my prayers, that's King James, or in ESV, it says, remembering you in my prayers. In verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, interesting terminology here, um, the Father of Jesus um, is God the Father, obviously, and the Father of glory, this is just, maybe I'm making something out of this that isn't really there, but the Father of glory um, so he's the father of Jesus. Jesus equals glory in this. The glory of God is Jesus Christ. That's, I guess, the point I'm trying to make. Um, the father of glory may give you a spirit. King James says, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In the knowledge of whom? Who is the him here? It's obviously the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Isaiah 11 verse 2. I thought of this scripture when I was studying this. It's a prophecy about the Messiah, about Jesus. And it says, it talks about a, um, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, Jesus. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So although the Ephesians had already received the seal of the Holy Spirit, i.e. the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the, the guaranteed down payment of the Spirit, uh, as it's uh, recorded in verse 13 of chapter 1, Paul's prays for them and tells them that he's praying for them for these very specific things. I think that's the point here. He's not only just praying for them, but he's telling them, I am praying for these things for you. Okay? Paul prays that they may receive specific and necessary aspects of the Holy Spirit in increased measure. Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's what he's been, he tells them, that's what I'm praying for, wisdom and revelation. Having the eyes of your heart, and in other versions it says understanding him, the eyes of your understanding enlightened that you may know something. That you may know something. What is the, that you may know? One, what is the hope to which he has called you that you may know? So when Paul's praying for knowledge for them, when Paul's praying for knowledge for them, he's, he's praying that they may know several things. One, that what is the hope to which he has called you? 
And uh, immediately I thought of 1 uh, Corinthians 13, now by faith, hope, and love, these three. And in Romans 8, 24, it says, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for? So there's an incredible sense of destiny in this statement and prayer. He wants them to know what is the hope to which God has called them, the hope of their calling. Secondly, that you may know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Paul wants the Ephesian believers to know the wealth of their inheritance in the Lord. But there's also another aspect to this, and that's that the saints are, saints, we, are God's inheritance in Christ and are valuable and precious to God. The point is that if we're valuable to, the point I'm trying to make here is if we're valuable to God, we must value one another. Because my brothers and sisters around me are valuable to God, I need to value them. You need to value. I need to value you. You need to value me because I and you are all valuable to God. We need to value one another as heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, as it says in Romans 8, 17. Okay. Then he also prays that you may know a third facet of this. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Now I want to emphasize there's no there's never a shortage of power with God toward us with who believe him. Paul uses the word immeasurable and it simply means it can't be measured. It's infinite. There is no way you can measure the magnitude of the power of God. Amen. According to the great, and, and how is this emphasized? How is this manifested? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Um, Romans 8 11 says, If the Spirit of him or God who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Again, going back to verse 3, God has blessed us with in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Um, amen. So, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this, this age, but also in the age to come, the one to come. And then in verse 22, and he, again being he being God, put all things under his feet, that's Christ's feet, and gave him as head, him being Christ, as head over all things to the church. That's an interesting statement. He gave him, it didn't, he didn't just give him to the church, but he gave him as head over all things to the church, which means there's something about the incredible power of God um, in the redemptive work of Christ that we need to see and understand. And there's a whole message here that I can't possibly uh, delve into this, this morning, but... Um, Maybe later, maybe at another time. 
Jesus said, I've come, I'm come, John 10, 10, I'm come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly or to the full, as other translations say. Abundant life equals spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So what God has promised us what He and what Paul is praying for the Ephesian church is that they would experience the abundant life or spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So what are our, what are our takeaways this morning as I wrap this thing up? Uh, we need to pray. If Paul prayed for the church, I think it's appropriate for the saints, I think it's appropriate that we as God's people pray for one another. And I think what what uh, what we learn from this briefly is that we need to pray for one another. It's important. Prayer is something that actually works. Um, otherwise, God wouldn't require it of us. I'm pretty sure of that. So who do we pray for? We pray for one another. We pray for the saints. And what do we pray for? And, and, and like based on this, we pray for knowledge. Um, in various facets, and and I want to, I've said this several times previously, and if I'm repeating myself, well, just, you know, hear me anyway. Um, it's not about head knowledge. I think a lot of what we do today is based on, I know it in my head, but there's a, there's a heart knowledge. The eyes of your heart or the eyes of your understanding, there's a depth of the inner man thing that we need to deal with here, that as a man thinks in his heart, it says in scripture, so is he. So in the depths of your inner being, how you understand things, it's not just about up here, but it's an, it's an actual creation of character within you that we're talking about here. So Paul's praying for knowledge um, in several points. The hope, the knowledge of the hope to which you're called, the riches that are ours and is, and the spiritual blessings that are ours in heavenly places in Christ and the immeasurable greatness of God's power towards us. Amen. So, what we are seeing, as I said earlier in, the, in this epistle to the Ephesians, is an outline of, in a, in a concise outline, as Spurgeon said, we ought to really dig into, as the Church of Jesus Christ, we ought to really pay attention to the book of Ephesians. All scripture is given by God, by inspiration of God, so that's true, but there's there's something we can really glean from this uh, letter to the Ephesians that the Apostle Paul wrote. And we need to pay attention that he's outlining new life, new family or new society, new ways or standards of living and new relationships. So I want to read, uh, as I close, I want to read a, a closing prayer. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. But I'm going to pray this, okay? For this reason, let's pray. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that you we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I'll just uh, speak this blessing over you as we close. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you all. Love you. We'll talk soon. Amen.